0: Thank you everyone for attending the first Social Hour of the 2022 Fall Semester Mentorship Program. This is in collaboration with the Student Club as well. And so Jean-Michael and Miguel, who are part of the Student Club, is going to kind of kick off this program and get it going. So take it away. Thank you so much, Professor Ryan. I'm Jean-Michael, my co-host, uh, also an officer of the club. Miguel is also here. Hi, guys. Let's take a look at today's agenda. So we will start off with an icebreaker introduction. This includes uh, you getting to know myself and Miguel and the mentors. We'll share a little bit about our experience with the mentorship program. We'll start conversations with alumni, which includes, you know, asking questions that we wrote. And then you'll have an opportunity also to ask. And we'll conclude this social hour. So I'm Jean-Michael Araki, president of the Mentorship Empowerment Club. I am a senior studying business information systems and Miguel.
1: Okay. My name is Juan Miguel Nafil. I am currently the executive officer for this organization. I'm also an accounting student. I am a junior accounting student. Next, we'll be kind of talking
0: about Juan Miguel and I's experience with the mentorship program and how we leverage the resources it gave us. So through the mentorship program, I was actually given the opportunity to intern at a IT company and grow myself professionally. And that's kind of how I got involved in the club.
1: Yep. And for me, so it's funny because like I came from the Philippines, like last semester, straight from the Philippines. And then I didn't know what I was going to do here. I signed up for this mentorship program and I had this mentor of me who, well, it's funny because like my resume before it was It had like a two by two picture in it. And then it was like a design for like infographic or something because I made it in Canva. And then after that, my mentor actually helped me out. Like we sorted it out. And then I applied for like interviews with various companies. And then I ended up with EY. So I'll be having my internship for next summer with EY. Also another internship with Grant Thornton for the following winter semester. So um, it's amazing like how this organization or this mentorship program could help you if you would be helping yourself as well. I'm really excited about this because this mentorship program really helped me and I'm excited for all of you guys. So,
0: yep, let's go. Thank you, Miguel. And I should mention my mentor was also part of the program last semester, Stanley Lee, and his company is NetSwitch that I worked at. And yeah, thank you for sharing You know how You went from having a resume that you weren't satisfied with to something that, you know, gave you a tangible return. This is what this program can do.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So let's introduce our first guest, Mohammed Saber, Bachelor's of Science in Finance from SFSU and then MBA from Berkeley at 2020. And he is host of GatorCast, which is what we are on right now. Thank you. Thank
2: you. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I'm also a mentor this semester. I've been involved with SF State through a number of capacities, as you guys see here. I graduated about 10 years ago, which sounds like a long time and it doesn't feel like it's that long, but it is a while. I also completed my MBA in the Bay Area as well. I did move to Texas recently, so I've been trying to help the community out by doing things like this, by hosting a podcast, by talking to students remotely and giving back however I can. I'm I'm still very much uh, part of the SF State community and like to give back whenever possible. Yeah, so that's me.
0: Thank you, Muhammad. Our next guest is uh, Sina. I'm sorry, how do you pronounce your name, sir? Your last name?
3: Sina. Yeah, that's right.
0: Okay. And uh, your last name, Shariati? Shariati. Shariati. Yeah, that's right. Bachelor's of Science from Sharif University in Mechanical Engineering, MBA from University of Tehran, ACP Marketing from UC Irvine, and then his SFSU degree was a Master's of Science in Business Analytics, and
3: you're a current data science intern at Mopo Life. First off, uh, hello, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you, the Mentorship Director, Professor Ryan, everybody, who invited me and considering me as a ment- mentors. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, if I wanna tell about myself, I graduated last year in business analytics, and I remember the first time uh, our the doctor our program director talked about the this program, and she asked me, you know, do you wanna be a mentor or mentee? And my answer was, I wanna be a boss because I'm sure it could be a helpful. So that time I was a mentee, and I was uh, using some. Uh, I remember professor experience and right now I'm a mentor. This is my first time as a mentor and I'm so excited about that. And I think you took all the info from my LinkedIn.
1: That's correct.
3: (laughs) I got the job a couple of months ago and it's the business intelligence analyst, so I need to, I know update that.
1: (laughs) Oh, congratulations. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. All right. And the next is Jeff Dreamer. He has a BS in Business Administration from SF State. He has over 30 years of experience in business and global logistics in various firms. He has also the skill set that includes budgeting, negotiation, and management. And he's on Council of Supply Chain Management for Professionals. Let's welcome Jeff Dreamer. Hi, Jeff. Thank you. It's great
4: to be part of this program my first year as a mentor. And um, it's just fun to be back with the school and doing things with it. I was... I was at the uh, Hall of Fame alumni uh, event last night at, at Chase Center and uh, hopefully
1: down the road, some of you guys will be uh, inducted into that Hall of Fame as well. Definitely. There were some remarkable people out there. Yeah. Next is Michael Dor. Um He also has a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration and Management from SF State. He has a Juris Doctor in Law and Masters in Tax Law from Golden Gate University School of Law. And he's on Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals as well. He's also current Privacy, Accessibility, and Assurance Architect at Microsoft. All right.
5: So the bachelor's was actually in information systems. The master's, the MBA was in management. But uh, let me just say, go Gators. Happy to be here. You know, through my career, I've been working for 30 plus years. So I've mentored a lot of people, have been mentored. By a lot of people and, you know, just really glad to be able to give back as well as take the opportunity to learn, you know, from you guys as well. So thanks for having me. Let
0: me know what I could do and, uh, you know, happy to participate. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this. If you guys are already, we have some uh, questions for you that would give the uh, mentees a better idea of what they can do now to improve themselves professionally. I'll start off. What recommendations can you give to students like us trying to get into internships and anyone can start?
3: So I can say right now, try to tailor your resume, have your resume and cover letters set up, prepared, and start applying for a job, any job you find. And also I can recommend if you find any career fairs, any job fair coming up, either Zoom or in person. Try to go there, be active, be confident, have your resume in your hand, introduce yourself, talk about your qualifications, talk about the course you're taking right now, because that's the way you're uh, creating the foundation, you're creating the networking. It helped me a lot, to be honest. Three years ago, I had no knowledge about the Python programming language. You know, in the business analytics, Python programming language is the most tool for coding. And we need to know that. I didn't know that. I had no experience. I started getting experience. At the same time, I was trying to creating the network, the foundation, finding people, talking to hiring manager, because it's going to be so helpful. I'm happy to go next. I would just say that I'm just so
4: jealous of all you guys in today's world, because back when I graduated 100 years ago, we didn't have the internet. And so we weren't able to look things up in no time at all. So I will tell you that, and I'm retired by the way, thankfully, in talking to uh, HR managers for companies that I used to work for, uh, they all state that and said that they are really excited to receive a communication from a college student. So back in my day, you would send a letter and you would never know if it was ever read or anything like that. But if you are really interested in a particular company, by all means, just reach out to those people. And really, if the more you know about them, the more you have a direction of why you want an internship. That's really critical. I mean, just saying you want to work for a company doesn't work anymore. There are so many people that want to work for a particular company for a specific reason. Uh, they want to be on the finance side or they want to be on the marketing side or they want to be in one specific industry or another. So, and the more you know about that, uh, I think the better chance you'll have to
0: succeed. Thank you, Mr. Drummond.
2: I'll go next, I guess. So I think the... Uh for getting an internship you you got to be intentional about what you want so just piggybacking off of what jeff said like people know typically what they're going for so that doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out i know that when i was going for my first internships i didn't know what i wanted so i kind of applied for everything but you do have to have a strong resume to get there as well and be applying to a lot of places but the chances that you get hired for an internship go up a lot if you are networking with people. You have to be in front of people, you have to meet with them, get on their calendars and everything, either through friends, through LinkedIn, through school, through events like this. I'm sure everyone in the mentorship program that's a mentor would be happy to help in some capacity. So really just try to get everything ready by meeting with the right people and then exploring what areas you wanna go into as far as what types of experiences you want. And if you don't know, that's okay. Any internship is better than no internship because the skills that you'll develop are going to be transferable to whatever role you go into next, and you could tell that story as you go. But definitely tailor things, if you can, on your resume. Start being intentional about what companies you go after because you can't apply for all of them, and network as much as possible to find out what types of companies and experiences you want to have as you keep going. So that would be my recommendation. Michael, I don't know if you want to chime in here too, but we do have a call-in question that we could uh, have someone call into right after Michael goes, if you're going to add something in here.
5: Well, basically I, I would just kind of dovetail off of that, which would be really know your field, like know your craft. Cena, you'd mentioned Python, for example. And so if you're going into data analytics, you have to know Python, but it's not enough to, to just know that, oh yeah, people use Python for data analytics. You have to have, be able to have a conversation with some amount of detail, you know, like, oh, well, what do data structures look like, what the pandas, you know, how do you create, you know, if you're talking about big data, what are some of the systems that you might be connecting to, whether it's Cosmos DB or NoSQL solutions or, and you don't need to necessarily have all the answers, but you should be able to have a conversation and come up with good questions. And so, you know, when you're kind of separating the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, when you're hiring people, that's who is going to be gravitated toward. So once you kind of get your foot in the door and then you take a step in the door, and then after that, then typically you start talking about fit, like whether or not you fit on a team and and stuff like that. But just getting in the door, being prepared, having a good tailored resume, getting the next step through, being able to have a good conversation and then figuring out fit. And that goes, Jeff, to your point about targeting a company, knowing a little bit about their culture, what do they do? How do they operate? All of those things come together to make you a really strong candidate.
2: Okay, great. Let's see who we have from the call-in question.
6: Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm not sure how I got in here. I'm one of the mentors.
2: Okay, great. So if you're a mentor, then uh, yeah, happy to have you answer the questions as well. Uh, I'm not sure if you're hearing the last question that we had around recommendations for students to get internships, but uh, if you have anything else to add there, would be great to have that before we go on to the next question. I would say uh, leverage your relationships.
6: I remember the first internship I ever got, it was my dad's boss. I went up to him, a very successful businessman. I was like, hey, these are my goals. How can you help me out? It turns out he had a friend down in San Francisco who runs a very big learning and development company called Vermit, And he was able to make that connection. And then once someone helps you get that foot in the door, and it's up to you to you know impress them with your work ethic will you bring to the team. And then um, keep it going that way.
1: All right. Those were some awesome um, advice from our mentors. And I could attest to that, like building up your resume, because that's the first step, right? That's what you're going to submit to your employers or future companies. So, yep. For our next question, is what extracurricular activities did you participate in and why did they help supplement you professionally? Anyone could start off.
2: I'll start this one. I was a big. Advocate for student organizations, and I was a big participant in FAME, so I know that they're still around and everything. And so, for all the students who are able to get into student orgs or participate in student orgs, whether it's this one with Jean Michael and Juan Miguel or other student orgs, definitely take part of that because you know that there's an old adage you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you got to ask yourself what average do you want to be? Do you want to be around students who also have common goals that want to get a good job, that want to have an internship when they graduate or people who that you're, who may not have those same goals? And I know that there's a lot of students who might not have a direction. They don't know where they want to go next from SF State, like what type of job they want to go into. They're just getting a degree because they were told to. And if you're in that camp, you should really go into a student org because there's a lot of ambitious people who may have had some steps or missteps along the way that you could learn from and you should be around them because they'll be sharpening their tools and iron sharpens iron so you should be working with as many people as you can that have the same goals as you so i would join a student org attend a few events if you can across a few different areas if you're not sure which one to get into that's what i did i attended a couple welcome nights my first semester coming back to sf state when i came back to school and Just feel it out. Catch the vibe. See which people you want to be around. You could be a part of a couple student orgs at once, but try to be more active in one. Take on officer positions, et cetera. And it'll really pay dividends because they have connections. It'll be like iron sharpens iron, as I said, and it'll be really helpful because you'll be able to gain experience and also be the first people to hear about different opportunities through the org
1: as well. Thank you. I agree to that because like, um, there's this meet the firms that, um, we have, like it happens every once in a while with beta alpha Psi and other organization. So that's where I saw various accounting firms or like other firms that you could like sign up with and actually connect with people like being with people, networking and everything. So, yep. Next mentor, please. Thank you. I also went
0: to meet the firms and although it's mainly for finance majors, There's positions there for for everyone, you know, if you're an ISIS major, for instance, there's systems integrations engineer, and almost every firm has a position for that, or even IT. IT is just, you know, don't be discouraged to go something just because it might not be, you know, specifically your
3: field. I think the mom had mentioned, be active. I can say just uh, have the meetup. If you are familiar with the meetup, download it, download the app. It's so cool guys. You can find different activities that are with your interest and just show up there, talk to people. You have one comment and that comment is your interest. For example, if you are a snowboarding, show up there, talk to them. Maybe they have friends working somewhere or maybe they are hiring manager who doesn't know. So that's a good opportunity. And on my end, I can say, uh, try to use a Toastmaster Club, for example. And for us, once we analyze the data, we need to communicate the data. We need to tell our story through the analyzing data. So we need the communication skills. And Toastmaster, I believe helped me a lot because in the Toastmaster, you need to talk to people, they have different criteria. You need to follow those instructions. So at the same time, you're honing your communication skills and the other behavior skills. Like community, I can be confident around the people, talk to a stranger. So Meetup and Toastmaster. Yeah, I did a lot of student organizations as well. For example, I did uh, like La Raza
5: students. We put on a lot of events for like education. We did College Awareness Day, things like that. And so I learned to work with a variety of different personality types, putting on these kind of pretty big events, you know, with a big budget and... Putting things together, maybe people had different agendas, but still making the events work, which is something that translated directly to a working environment. I also did forensics, speech and debate, uh, if you will, and that was super helpful uh, for learning how to think on my seat and how to speak to large groups of people. Unfortunately,
4: I did not participate in any extracurricular activities back then. I was, or at least the ones that I did participate are probably not appropriate to share in, in this discussion. I was fortunate enough to get a job uh, working for an international freight forwarder during my junior year, and I ended up going into the world of supply chain and logistics. So yeah, extracurricular activities back then was, uh, had nothing to do with where I went, uh, but I, I got lucky in finding a job while I was still going to school.
2: Last mentor, I, I don't know if we got an intro from you and everything, but um, you could chime in too, and, and maybe you could do an intro so everyone can get to know who you are as well.
6: My name is Alan. Uh... Christian solis Um, I am a uh, financial service professional with Nana Securities. Uh, I graduated with Central State with a uh, degree in Bachelor Business Administration with a concentration in finance. And now I have a firm in uh, Aurora Park, which is just probably 30, 45 minutes up from San Francisco. I've always had mentors, so it's always been a big thing for me to get back and uh, push it forward. I think uh, my first mentor once told me, hey, you know, I'm spending all this time with you, but so yeah, I want you to pay it forward, and here I am. As many of you probably do the same.
0: Let's move on to the next question. How did your experience at SFSU help you find your first position after graduation? And you know, this can be anything from people you met or classes you took. I think just having San Francisco State on
4: my resume back in those days was a big deal. I think the business school. Its reputation is wonderful. Its reputation was wonderful way back when I was there. I think having a job in the industry kind of helped as well. But I know that in interviewing with some folks, they actually made it a point to say, "Oh, you're a San Francisco State grad," which, which you know, held low. I mean, it's work. You know, we're not Cal or Stanford people, but the business school does rank pretty high. And I think, I think the variety of classes you could take in the business school in in various areas, whether it was marketing, management, accounting. Not that other schools don't offer that, but I think it gets us very well-rounded in the world of business so that we can pretty much speak to any subject, at least to a degree, sounds fairly intelligent about it. And I I think that makes for a better interview experience, and I think it'll help you succeed in, in getting the job that you're looking for.
5: So in my experience, I actually worked my way through school. So I was working while I was in school. Before I graduated, I, I kind of started my career as a software developer, engineer. And so a lot of the classes I took, and back then, C and in Perl and things like that were very helpful. The difference was after I graduated, I kind of went to my boss and was like, Hey, I finally finished. I got my degree. And, you know, like, what can you do for me? And he said, Well, let me go see what I can do, talk to HR, da, 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 da. And then I got an offer from somebody else, like, literally down the block. And it was too good for me to pass up, so I, I jumped from one organization to another. I had also done a fair amount of consulting to kind of get a lot of professional experience. But one of the things that makes SF State unique is the storied history of the school and, and a lot of the, the cool innovations that come out of it, as well as kind of some of the, I think SF State, as far as schools go, is very diverse and to Jeff's earlier point, you know, we got Cal across the bay, we got Stanford like down the block. If SF State were anywhere else, we would be like the top, you know, if we were in the middle of, and not to pick on anybody, but say Nebraska, we would be like the number one school in Nebraska. But because we got Cal and Stanford, you know, but the truth is, for the quality of the education that you get, you know, it's really super important to have the confidence in what you know. So we know once you have that degree and you've done the classes and you know your stuff, you know your stuff. And so the rest of it kind of falls away, is less important. You know, if you have the confidence to project as you go in and still mix with a fair amount of humility, particularly in the the early stages of your career, to be open and know that you're going to be learning things, I I think that is super helpful.
6: Like Michael, I I worked throughout all college, right? Same thing, I went to my boss and I was like, hey, I got a degree in finance. So I want to do more finance stuff. And I got the raise, but that wasn't really, you know, why I went to school for. And then at that point, you know, uh, now that securities came by and um, wanted to, to hire me. I think I had a, a college, um, a college in development person, Michelle was was very helpful for me to really land this position because I didn't want to take it. So I was comfortable where I was. I got a, a good raise and everything. Um, but I think just like the support you have there from the teachers their experience and what really brings to the classroom is something i i really appreciate from the school also the classes i was able to take now you know as a someone who works in finance and I, you know i deal with a lot of clients who have questions in the finance world my i daily do uh, just like advise people on, on their finances and, and their investments so taking classes like alternative investments and hedge investments is, as well as uh, my investment classes We're all very helpful and I feel like when I got the position, I was ahead of most people around me just because of the experience and the learning I actually got from SFSU.
3: In my experience, I can say, as Michael mentioned about the SFSU is so cool and everybody is amazing. The college experience is greatly so full. I can talk about the faculty. The faculty is so professional and guys, I can say they were so helpful to me to find the first job. Because when I was preparing my resume, I was reaching out to them. I was asking them, hey, professor, for example, could you please take a look at this resume and give me your feedback? And it was so helpful because, for example, in my degree, in my position, we have a lot of technical terms involved. And when you are writing the resume, it should be involving all the keywords. We can extract some keywords from the job description, of course. But the faculty can be a good resource to tell you, okay, these keywords are so popular right now. The hiring manager looking for these specific keywords, maybe some specific software, maybe some specific programming language, something like that. So I can say, don't be shy. Try to reach out to your professor. They are so cool. They love to help you. They love to help me. It was so helpful. And use this opportunity.
1: I couldn't agree more to Cena, because like based from what the employers told me and the acquisition people told me like these resumes are process right now, true machines, like those keywords that he was talking about, they are the ones that gonna matter in your resume. So you might have something there that you should put in there that, that aren't there at the moment, but, um, with the help of your like professors, your mentors, you can put them out there. So, yep, I agree. Just
2: one thing I want to add on top of this, I wasn't sure if we were answering the fourth or the fifth questions, but I think I'll try to answer both simultaneously, just about what San Francisco State offers that's unique, how the curriculum prepared me, and then if not, what did you do about it? The last part's a bit of a loaded question, but I'll try to answer all of this. So, as far as what San Francisco State provided that was unique was a college experience with a lot of people who had unique backgrounds. And I don't think that's something that a lot of other schools had because, you know, I I attended another university and I attended many community colleges as well before I graduated from San Francisco State. And, you know, of course I went to UC Berkeley for my master's, for my MBA, but everyone's at SF State for a reason. There's usually a common thread of uniqueness of some challenges or some circumstances for people to be at San Francisco State, whether it was their upbringing, it's something that, they faced some challenges. A lot of people had to work. I think one of the mentors mentioned that they had to work as well. I had to work full-time when I was going to school. And, you know, you, double full-time was a, a big part of just my time in school. It was like working full-time and going to school full-time. And that was the same thing for a lot of people at SF State, being that it's a commuter school too. So, I think that's something that was unique is you didn't really have the traditional college experience where everyone's at dorms all day and then just kind of a Done a lot of fun stuff all the time. It was, it was a lot of people who are there because that was close to home. It's one of the universities that were less expensive because it's not private. It's Cal State, so it's it's a little bit more affordable. are a lot of people are on Pell Grants as well because of just income being able to uh, get the money to go there and everything from the government. So I think that was pretty unique and really helpful to know that there's a lot of people with similar backgrounds as me who are in school that we're all trying to strive for the same goal and it, it kind of built a an underdog mentality like we're going up against the big dogs at you know Berkeley or Stanford or all these other universities Santa Clara San Jose State and uh, I liked that I liked being the underdog I liked going against these other guys and trying to compete and take them down with you know what I felt was like a David and Goliath type story so that was pretty unique I think I don't think you get that when you go to other schools as far as the curriculum I will say that after attending multiple universities that the curriculum will not prepare you for a job, at least for a business. Maybe it does for analytics. I know you guys have done a lot of coding and a lot of uh, programming, it sounds like. So I think it does for those cases. But when you're talking about business skills, that's going to be something you have to learn on the job. You're going to learn it through an internship. You're going to learn it through personal experience, through entrepreneurship, other jobs like that. And that's why it's really important that you guys get internships and get experiences under your belt because that's how you prepare for your next job is by having jobs. The classroom won't teach you that. There is some experiential learning components that could help you, which means like you learn by doing, but that's never as good as having some real on-the-job experience. So it's really not on the school for you to be prepared for the next job. It's really on you. No matter what school you go to, it's on you to develop those experiences, reach out to people, get mentors. They'll lead you along the way and they'll make sure that you're having the best foot forward when you're going in for your next job opportunity. So that's what I would add on those questions there.
3: On top of that, I would add to the Mahmoud point about the working. Uh, I can say once you are studying, guys, try to have some on-campus job. Either you can be as a tutor or you can work as a TA because you can jump from one job to the other job. If you have a job, you know what I'm saying? That momentum, once you are working during your college experience and you are studying, you are creating that momentum. You're creating that momentum. It's kind of like the snowball. And it's getting bigger, 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 bigger because you are getting new people. You are expanding your networking. You are having more experience about the real life. It's different from the academy. As Mohamed said, the real professional life is pretty much different from the academic life. Uh, something we are learning through the real life, working in the real company, not through the academic. So when you are studying and working, you're getting that momentum, momentum, momentum. And once you are graduated, you already have that foundation, you are prepared and you can get into the maybe internship job or you can get into your job, your full-time job.
1: So we could proceed with the second to the last question. So did the curriculum prepare you for your first or next, our current job. If yes, how? If not, what did you do about it? It's a loaded
2: question, guys. You can't ask that. Like, what did you do about it if it didn't provide it? Oh, <laughs> 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 I mean,
1: <laughs>
0: don't answer in front of professor. It's never a good <laughs> idea, you know.
4: Professor Ryan is here. Yeah, I think that Muhammad and C, and they both addressed it. Right? There's no class is going to prepare you for a job, you're going to get an introduction to that particular field. And as you get into that field, you will learn either the hard way or the easy way, how to be successful at it. Going back to the the previous question, I'll just briefly say that, and I didn't know this at the time, but what I looked back and realized was every time I went to class and worked with an individual student with me or a group of students, that was the beginning of my network. I didn't know that at the time, but back then, those people that you met in college and worked in college or your professors, these are the people that you can turn to in the future. Back then, you know, I had to write down their names and phone numbers and addresses to connect with them, but there's a much easier way to do that in today's world. Uh, And as you meet people in class, down the street, your parents, friends, neighbors, connect with them somehow. LinkedIn's a great way to do it because you never know five years from now, 10 years from now, you're going to be looking for a job and that person's going to be working there or that person's going to be the hiring manager. So um, take advantage of connecting with as many people as you can, because it will, it will help you sometime down the road, maybe a long time down the road, but it would be worth keeping the relationship going.
5: Just to kind of dovetail off of that, I think what you get in classes are really seeds. When I was in information systems, the weed out class was the C++ class. Like 50 of us started, seven of us finished. It was like you had to write a database was the project, like Oracle or SQL Server. You had to write that yourself. And we did it in small teams. As much as like those classes were difficult and people were like, oh man, this sucks. And I really hate this. Why do we have to do this? When you're in the working world, you're doing that. But instead of getting a semester to learn it, you get like two weeks. So you walk in the door somewhere and they're like, hey, you've just inherited somebody else's problem. You got two weeks to figure this out and give us a solution. And you're like, uh, okay. So, so you have to get pretty adept at your craft, you know, whether that's, you know, if it's a technical field or if it's finance or if it's management or hospitality, whatever your field is, you have to, by the time you're done with school, you should have what you need to jump into the world, kind of leaving the nest and really to fly and you'll get better at it over time. So, you know, I, I think that's really key. One thing that I would say, and I'm going to answer the last bullet and then I'll shut up, is definitely LinkedIn, super important. LinkedIn is not Facebook. So also be careful about what you put on Facebook. So, you know, you don't want the picture with like you holding two drinks, you know, with at the beach with like crazy people behind you or things like that necessarily on your LinkedIn profile. And you want to make sure that you use those tools appropriately. So for me personally, I use LinkedIn for professional stuff. You guys can find me linkedin.com slash in slash mdore. Reach out to me, connect with me. I'm not going to go through my channels and try to find a job for you. But if you look on my profile, I'm at Microsoft now. I was at EY for five years before that. I was at Workday and Gap and Wells Fargo. So I've been in a lot of places. I know a lot of people. If there's a job that you find that you're interested in that might be in my network, reach out to me and say, hey, you know, you were at eBay. Michael, you were at eBay. What's that place like? And do you know anybody there? And I actually still do know some people there where you could say, you know, I found this job and it's really cool. And I think I think I would be a really good fit. I'd say, oh, okay. well, let's look at your resume. Let's see if it lines up. And if it looks like a good fit, maybe I could put you in touch directly with the hiring manager. But I can't do that for all of you. So you guys need to take it upon yourselves, find those places, figure out what you want to do. And if you think I can help tap me and if I can help, I will. And if I can't, I'll say, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know anybody there anymore or, oh, you know, that group is the real estate group and you're not really in that, you know, that facilities, but you're, you know, doing this other thing. So maybe it's not really a good fit or, or whatever, but you know, I'm a straight shooter, so I'll give it to you straight.
1: All right. That was nice, Michael. I didn't know that you were with EY as well. So that's a great commonality with us, with Muhammad as well. Okay, for the rest of the mentors, um, you could a- answer a- actually this question. What advice can you give to students today? I think the biggest thing that I would add
2: here, just one piece of advice is act as quick as possible because you're not going to be a student forever. So all the time that you're thinking, oh, I'll just wait till next semester or oh, I'm not sure what to do. Don't do that. Just move on whatever is the best advice that you've been provided. Ask a few people who are your mentors or who are in your circle who really care about you and go down a path and then see where it takes you. Don't just wait on these things. You got to move quickly because once you're not a student anymore, it becomes much harder to make pivots as you go. And so you have to be able to just get out of your comfort zone, dive right into something and learn through experience. Don't try to learn through Procrastination. Try to learn through your own experience. That's always the best teacher. So I would say move quickly, because you won't be a student forever.
3: Exactly. Totally agree with the Mohammed. I can say as a, I think last advice: just try to keep that a uh, momentum. You know, try to make that snowball bigger and bigger. Don't uh, say, okay, right now I have. I'm gonna graduating next spring. I have a still time. I have time right now. I need to work on my paper. I need to study this. I need to study that. I was at your position. I get that. I totally understand. It's overwhelming. I know, but try to, you know, if you are splitting your time, make it priority. For example, if you are studying is the first priority, make the job, the second priority, because it's like a wing, the time flies, you're going to graduated. And if you don't have that momentum. Pivoting, as the Muhammad said, you know, you just started. Okay, you said, okay, I'm graduated right now, and I'm gonna find my job, the job I was looking for. If you didn't have that moment of, is so hard. I don't want to say it's not possible, but it's so hard. I would say get
6: outside your comfort zone. It's we're all we're in college, and you know, it's still some of us who maybe moved to college, and it's uh You're finally out in the world. But then once you actually go and look for a job, I remember the first semester I was done with school. It was all fine. But after a few semesters after, I was like, oh, I kind of missed school. But go outside your your comfort zone, explore new things, meet new people. Definitely be a go-getter. That's what companies want to see. Try a few jobs just to see, experiment. Maybe don't let your comfort confine you for what you truly can achieve.
1: All right, Jeff, any last words?
4: Everything, everything
1: that was just said makes
4: perfect sense. I, I would just say, don't ever get discouraged. You may be applying for dozens and dozens of company and hearing nothing but no's and no's and no's. Don't let that get you down because you, that's part of life's experience is how you deal with adversity, right? It's very easy to deal with life when things are good, but people are always going to look and see how you perform in adversity. And even even during a job, when you're under a, Ten situation and you've got to come through on a project in a certain amount of time. That's adversity as well. That earlier you learn how to deal with adversity and overcome it, the more successful you're going to be by a long shot. And also, I remember reading an article about a guy who went back to his university a number of years after he graduated, and he's walking through the campus during finals, and he sees hundreds of. Kids. He came back and said, "Look," he goes, "In the real world, life is an open book exam. If you're at a job and you don't know something, you can look it up." You don't have to memorize things. Uh, And that's part of the learning experience as well. I just thought that was very funny when I read that. And it's actually very true.
0: There is one question in the chat from Kayla. What is one thing you didn't know going into the working world that you wish someone told you about? Maybe start with Mohammed.
2: Sure. This is going to be, I'm going to try to filter this slightly. Your company, their first priority is not you. You have to be your own first priority. So remember that, that a company's priority is to make profits, and your priority should be you. And those aren't always, they're not mutually exclusive, but they're not always matching. Your company will pay you for doing a job. There's no requirement that they keep you. And once you're getting paid to do something, you're expected to do it. That doesn't mean you have to do unethical things or anything wrong, but it will mean that you know when you have that two weeks to do a project you're on the clock, you got to get it done. And the company's going to expect you to perform. It's not really, I'm going to learn. This isn't like training, usually. Jobs, you know, you get paid to perform. You don't really get paid to be trained. So be proactive, take care of yourself physically, mentally, and um, build connections with people that you feel like you really want to aspire to be like and that you feel like you can trust. Because uh, companies can pivot and go in a different direction all the time. And you got to make sure you're, you're putting yourself and the people you care about first.
5: I agree with that. I think that maybe times are a little different now from when I had my first job, but there was a quote from Aldous Huxley who said something like, you know, it's to my embarrassment that through the course of my life, the one thing that would have made the world a little bit better place was, you know, if people were a little kinder to each other. And so I think that Keep that in mind as as you start your, maybe not your first job, but an early job where you're going to come across difficult people. There's going to be personality issues. Some people are, and I hope I can say this, some people are just dicks, but you have to work with them and deal with them. And that kindness, even if it feels like in the short run, like you're losing somehow in the big picture, that can actually be to your benefit as well, because, you know, the people who are managing are seeing and they're being like, oh yeah, I saw that was a difficult situation, Michael. I liked how you handled that. Let's maybe put you on the track to management or, you know, oh, I I, I saw that was a really tough customer and, and I saw the patience that you had with them. Let's figure out how to get you some of those bigger accounts. So, you know, it's a, a human aspect, a human element. Someone said the soft stuff is the hard stuff. And I, I think that's true, but even early in your career to just kind of give people the benefit of the doubt a little bit and be kind to your colleagues and, you know, the people you come across.
3: My first job was almost eight years ago, nine years ago, and I was wishing somebody told me about how to handle my relationship with my manager, with my boss, because, you know, if they are manager, they have managers, they have boss, they have supervisor, they have CEO. So somebody higher than them and they putting pressure on them. And sometimes they transferring that pressure then stress to you. So it's totally up to you how to handle that. If for example, your hiring manager is so angry and he's putting pressure on you and you get that, take it personally. So you're going to react in a very bad way. And it's, ruin your relationship, because through the work, working in the company, the communication, the relationship is so important. So I remember the first time my boss was so angry and he pissed up so easily. I didn't know how to handle that situation. And it made me fired. (laughs) Hopefully it's not going to happen to people.
1: (laughs) Definitely, we don't want anyone getting
3: fired, but yeah.
1: Any more mentors who want to answer that question? I think Michael put it perfectly from
4: my perspective as well. I think that's probably the biggest challenge you'll you'll have throughout your career is how to deal with people. And for me, it was not only in the
1: area that I worked, but also working with people in other departments. All right. Thank you for that, Jeff. Great question, Kyla. To the mentors who work while studying how do you recommend a student balances the load of full-time studying and an internship slash job?
6: For me, I had 18 units and I worked full-time, like 30 to 40 hours a week. It was hard. It wasn't definitely a walk in the park. Definitely prioritize your your learning, I would say. Although my the current job I had was running a business and I definitely gained a lot of real-world experience. I was able to apply for my classes. So. Stuff I was learning in my classes, I you know saw how it correlated outside the business world, which I thought was pretty cool. But I know that that is kind of hefty, you know, uh, eighteen unit, you know, still trying to balance everything. Uh, you just really have to be focused by you know not slacking off on either or, and uh, time management is just huge. And trying not to procrastinate as much, and getting everything done on due, and still being able to get good grades to pass all your classes, and still retain information. You know, obviously
5: put priority on your schoolwork. I'd say super important to pick up a healthy hobby. I swam, I think I ran a lot, hanging out with friends. So the, the physical outlet can be super helpful for balancing that stress. If you have family that you need to take care of, stuff like that, if you can incorporate them into it as well, it can be a good thing. In college, there was a whole lot of drinking and partying going on too. And while that's that's okay in college, you can't do that over an extended period. It's it's just not really healthy. Or at least I can't. I don't know. Somebody can. So, yeah, that's something that really helped me. And, and even to this day, you know, to the extent that I can, you know, trying to bake that into the schedule
1: is helpful. Awesome. Any more mentors who would like to take that question?
2: I could jump in here, too. So I've had some semesters where I was having more than the 12 or 15 that you normally average while working full time. So 30 plus hours, 40 hours, et cetera. And so I think it's, there's a few things that you have to think about that are gonna be important for you. First, you gotta like prioritize what's important to you. So I think the point around not drinking and just partying all the time is is a good one because if you wanna drink and party all the time, the students who are allowed that luxury are usually the ones who don't work. So if you're working, and you're going to school full time, you probably can't party as much. And that's okay. You got a lot of years that you could do that stuff later, whenever you're done with school and you're working full time or something, after you get your degree and you're you're making more money and everything. So I would say try to cut out stuff that you could do later that's not as important. The second point there is also try to pick up something that's more restorative and, and healthy. So I think that's the part I'd add there is so doing something physically energizing would be really good as well. The next thing I would think about is ask yourself, is this job that you have, is it a career or is it just to pay the bills? Because that'll help you prioritize a little bit too between schoolwork and your job. So if you're working really hard at a job that you don't really think you're going to be in that field or industry long-term, then maybe you don't have to work as hard there. Maybe you could cut back on hours or maybe you could just not do as great as a job in that area, especially if it's taxing on your mind or your body and focus more on schoolwork. I think that'll be really important. And the last one's more of like a a strategy is depending on the type of job and the types of courses you have, try to do your research about what's the busy time that you have at work and what types of courses are the easy ones and the hard ones. And don't front load hard courses, too many hard courses during a busy time at your job. So try to balance it out where you're taking the easy courses while you're having a busy time at your job And then take harder courses when you have an easier time at your job and then just try to balance it out. So you're not taking like, you're not in classes all day and then you're working all night. Like that's just not sustainable. So try to balance it out with all these things and yeah, just be mindful about what you do to your body and don't burn yourself out. And uh, if you are burning yourself out, just remember that you have 16 weeks to do this and then you could reset and have a little bit of time off afterwards.
3: Great advice, Mohammed. Any more mentors? I believe Muhammad mentioned everything and it was so comprehensive and uh, I would like to add one thing about the physical activity guys once you are working your body is engaging with the whole activity and at the same time your mind so you need to pay attention to your mind as well one technique uh, of course you need to pay attention to your diet you need to eat healthy food stop eating junky foods or drinking too much it's not going anyway so, just try to feed your body by healthy food like green salad. I'm not a diet uh, advisor, but I tried and it was so helpful to me, to be honest. And the other thing you can do, you can do meditation. So, you need to pay attention to your mind. Muhammad mentioned about the burning out. So, when once you're feeling burning out or you're feeling overwhelmed because it's going to happen, and anytime it happens, don't get it personally. I mean, First off, tap on your shoulder and you said, okay, you're doing something, you're doing great. That's why you're overwhelming, that's the sign. It means you're working hard, you're putting pressure, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. So that overwhelming is a good sign and you need to reward yourself. And what's that reward? Is the meditation. So go to yoga. For example, to me, I did uh, a lot of yoga session. I love hot yoga. I did hot yoga because when I was studying, I had fourteen different courses, and I was working for three different two on-campus jobs, one off-campus job. I was so hard. Okay, next question is from Ishwinder.
1: It's my third semester, so should I start applying for internships right now, or I should focus on learning only? Uh, I'm not sure if this is your third semester as a freshman at SF State or sophomore, but I'll answer first because um, like. This was my situation before. There are like lots of companies who accept either freshmen, sophomores, but most companies will be accepting juniors and seniors. But there are companies like Deloitte who specifically employs people or students that are at sophomore level. So it's best to research out there.
2: Yeah, I'll just add something really quick here. Yes, start as soon as possible. It doesn't have to be a big company. It could be a mom and pop shop where it's not even a big business. Just get some type of professional experience, get some internship experience where you can develop transferable skills as soon as possible. The reason I say that is when when I was at SF State, I'd always be looking at the kids across the bridge or or down south in uh, Silicon Valley and everything. And those kids had internships from their freshman year up to their senior year. So by the time they graduated, they had four or five blue chip companies on their resume. And you can't compete against that if you're waiting to get your first internship. You have to be having internships as soon as possible. So if you're able to do that, it's great that you're asking these questions early on so you can get those experiences. And you don't need these blue chip companies on your resume yet, like you could build up to that. So just find any experience that you can through an internship, get one, then work on the next one and and you'll continue to build on that. The sooner you do it, the better.
6: Hey, Juan, real quick, Uh, we missed a question. Above that, it was, uh, what is the best advice you received uh, when you started your professional journey?
1: Oh, my bad. My bad. Okay. Uh,
6: I can go ahead and uh, address that one. For me, it was, don't be afraid to make mistakes as long as you don't make the same mistake twice. So, you know, sometimes we we walk as we in our new job, we're so scared of getting fired or making someone upset and we just kind of tipped out, but we don't really get to explore ourselves and our boundaries within that, that job. I remember a mentor of mine told me that, you know, I think I just came off too shy at the job. He's told me, hey, if you make the same mistake twice, then that's on you. But if you're out there going on and you make a mistake, shake it off, keep on going, keep pushing forwards."
5: One thing that someone told me, actually, this was, this was a couple of years in, but was super helpful that I still rely on it today, is be able to identify what's urgent and what's important yeah. and know the difference and schedule accordingly. So, you know, a lot of times people get bogged down in, oh, this is urgent. I got to do this right away. You know, this is the thing. And then they miss out on what's important or they they focus on just what's important. And then all the little things kind of slip by. Time is limited and you can only do so much in a day. But to be able to, that that helps me to prioritize um, and helps my teams prioritize. So, yeah, if you can start thinking in those terms, that, that'll help you sort of navigate some
1: of those waters. Thank you, Michael.
3: I can add uh, something about the thing Michael mentioned. So, uh, it's a part of the time management tools and we can categorize our tasks or activities in four different parts based upon two criteria: how urgent it is and how important it is. Psychologically speaking, we usually pay attention to the important task and the urgent task because it's urgent and it's important. And we stop paying attention to the important task, but it's not urgent. And it's like a wing, the important task, and it's not urgent, but right now it's urgent and it's going to give us the headache, you know, give, give us a lot of stress, oh my God, it was a couple months ago, it was important, but it wasn't urgent. Right now it's so important and it's urgent. So yeah, that's a good tool. You can use that and you can scale it. For example, right now I'm studying, so I need to get internship. I'm graduating, I want to do job for that company. So you can say, okay, which one is important, which one is urgent, which one is not important, but it's urgent, which one is not urgent urgent and is not important. So that's a good uh, tool. That's a good technique. You can categorize your task if you are studying and working or even you guys, you can use these tools in your life everywhere.
1: I think that's it for that question. So anyone who wants to add with the question that we, ni- we initially had, it's my third semester, so should I start applying for internships right now or I should focus on learning only?
2: Internships, go for the internships, get a mentor, talk to people, find out what you want to do and then just start getting some experience. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's never
3: too early to start. Don't try to be perfect, guys. Just start it. It's the process, it's learning process, and you're getting better, better, better through the process. Process equals, action equals to the progress, and the progress equals to the success. I remember somebody told me this quotation, so I so love it. I'm just sharing with you. You
6: think if uh, you act like you know everything, you're not going to learn anything, especially if you're in an entry-level position. It's kind of a, a given that you may not know some stuff, and rather than Say, you know, I do everything. uh, And I I can only hear this from all my uh, friends who are contractors where they hire someone new and they say, well, I can do everything. And then on the job site, you just kind of see them fall bits. And that just makes the uh, the employer very upset because, you know, you're not living up to what what you said. But just being able to ask questions, there's nothing wrong with that. Especially, you know, uh, I remember someone telling me, you know, they much rather have me ask them a question, then, you know, just say I
1: know how to do it and then go mess stuff up. I agree. I certainly agree. For the next question, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? A question from Kui and Fan. Thank you for that.
0: You know, I, I think that you
5: just kind of have to really be your authentic self. When you find yourself in an environment that's new and different because you haven't been there or maybe... You don't know people there, or maybe people there don't look like you or don't have the same background as you. You know, you have to have the confidence in your authentic self to be able to thrive and be successful. It's funny because, you know, there's imposter syndrome, which is the, oh my gosh, I don't belong here. Even though you have the same credentials and the same experience and the same qualifications as everybody else. And there's a flip side of that too, which is, you know, if you're going down that path, which is almost like survivor's guilt, you know, I'm the only person who from my community who made it out and went to college and kind of, you know, and is successful in this way and et cetera. But I think that, that having the confidence and the positive affirmation that you belong there, there's no reason you shouldn't be there. You know, you went to school, you worked, you, you took the test you did everything you needed to do, you got the experience, you did the interviews just like everybody else, you know, keep that in in the back of your mind. And it can be really daunting when you're sitting, you know, if you're litigating in court, or if you're sitting with the C-level executives, or even if it's just your manager and all their folks, you know, it's okay, right? Like everybody's different. There's
2: room for everybody. That's what makes the world
1: better. Appreciate it, Michael.
2: I'll just add two quick things here. I think if you're facing imposter syndrome, it's something that I face quite a bit too. It's actually why I ended up getting my MBA, because I didn't think I'd be good enough to go into the arenas that I'd end up going for and everything. And so, I found out from going to business school in a very different school from going from SF State to Berkeley that who I thought I was the whole time was the same person. Me getting a degree from a different school or having a brand name didn't change who I was. And so, the same person that I was at SF State was the same person I was at Berkeley. And no matter what experiences you get, you're, you're still you. So, you are good enough if you're in that room. They picked you for a reason. So, you got to believe in yourself and, and don't let your, your own mind trick you that you're not good enough to be somewhere if other people already thought you should be there. I would add to that, definitely still be disciplined and prepare every day. You do have to show up and be the best version of yourself to be in that room. It can be competitive at times as well. So do your preparation. Do the best that you can because if you do have, um, maybe it's a different set of experiences or upbringing, etc., maybe you have to put in a little bit more work to learn about things that they might have learned when they were younger or when they were in school, they had certain experiences and you didn't have those. And maybe that's why you have a imposter syndrome. So, you do have to be disciplined and, and potentially prepare a little bit more. And on that point, I think the last thing is you have to be really adaptable. And so, be coachable, keep learning, be open-minded. People will try to teach you things and you just have to be open to it. Don't be closed off to it because you feel like you're different than other people or you feel like you might not have similarities to them, just be as coachable as possible and and, and learn as much as you can on the job. And if you're not getting that coaching on the job, you just do it yourself off the job. You got to continue to learn and it's not really on your employer to teach you. You'll have to learn yourself. And that's another reason why having mentors is
1: a great idea too, because you could learn and fast track your career through mentorship as well. Thank you, Mohammed, And just basically owning it. For the last question for our session, we have I know procrastination is bad. Sometimes I procrastinate because I'm really stressed of getting some tasks down. Do you have any tips to overcome this?
5: There's a software development methodology called agile for the kind of the software nerds in the group where you, you talk about, you know, what did I do? What am I doing? What do I need help with? And these are the tasks I'm going to complete this week or over the next two weeks, and if you're a procrastinator. And, and people think I'm weird, but I always recommend that Agile can actually be applied not just to software development, but like to life, managing your family, your bills, you know, anything. Be organized and, and keep yourself accountable. You know, look in the mirror and say, today I am going to do X, Y, and Z and really get it done. That's it. Procrastination is one of those things where it will bite you hard. So if you know you're a procrastinator, great that you can admit that. The key to that is organize and keep yourself accountable.
4: There are so many ways to learn things today that are so helpful to people. I mean, there's, you go online and just type in procrastination and you'll probably get 15 different classes you can take to at least walk you through it and learn it. So make the time to to learn as much as you can, particularly more about your weaknesses and your strengths. It'll, it'll help you big time. Take advantage of the stuff that's out there that, that's going to help you in your life. It's worth it.
0: So, we'd just like to thank you all for attending. And of course, check your school email for updates and events. You know, we'll do things outside of the social hour, like uh, we were thinking of doing maybe a run or something. And if you haven't already, follow our Instagram at SF State Cop Empowerment. You can reach out to us directly. All of the officers have the account. So, you know, feel free to reach out to us for any questions. And then uh, also our LinkedIn group, we have over a hundred members, SFSU, LF, Cobb Mentees. And yeah, I really appreciate everyone coming to this, mentees and mentors alike. Thank you so much. Uh, it was it was a great learning experience. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. I mean, thank thanks you very thanks. much. Thank, thank you, you, everyone.
2: And that's our episode. Thanks for tuning in and go Gators.